Hey, Michigan, let's talk golf. Here's Mike Sullivan, the most inconsistent golfer ever. In your life have you seen anything like that? And Kyle Bogey, wait, how can a guy with that name host a golf show? We'll never know. Better than most. It's the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Powered by our presenting partner, Hall Financial. Well, welcome into another edition of the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast presented by Hall Financial, our presenting partner. And encourage everyone, as always, that's hallmdg.com for any of your mortgage needs, refinances, uh, certainly new home buys. They got you covered. They've helped a ton of Metro Detroit golfers. That's hallmdg.com. And thank you to them. And thank you to you, the Metro Detroit golfers. Uh, you know, you guys for supporting us. It's been just awesome to uh, grow everything. And, and just certainly another great episode we have for you with another PGA Tour player, Brian Stewart, Oakland University graduate and Jackson, Michigan native. He's been playing well on tour um, just outside of the top 100. He's certainly playing every single week, trying to get his uh, spot in the season-long FedEx Cup, and he'll be at the Rocket Classic in a few weeks, and definitely just excited to um, see him again and get some content, and Brian's a great guy. Um, He's also a very accurate driver of the golf ball, as we're about to talk about. He's second on tour in driving accuracy. He's just been fantastic. It's a guy who just makes a ton of cuts. Um, and I've been certainly placing some bets on him as well. I know Kyle has. And make sure you use code MDG when you uh, go on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. That's DraftKings. Make sure that you get the app and use code MDG. And, and they got so many great DraftKings Sportsbook does has so many great promotions, including putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that's still in contention. Bet $1. That team wins. You get $100 in site credit. Don't forget, DraftKings also offers great odds and promotions all the time. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MDG when you sign up. Turn $1 to $100. And, of course, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline 800-270-7117. 21-plus, Michigan-only, wager paid out in site credits. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Um, but, again, Brian coming up shortly and, and really – just a lot of topics to cover with him. John Rahm certainly is one of them. Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka certainly another. And overall, just talking about really a lot of details and, and little things about being on the PGA Tour that I think you guys will find fascinating. So I don't want to bore you with too much of, of my time. I want to get to Brian Stewart and our interview with him. So please enjoy. All right, well, Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast, it's a pleasure to have on someone that we've had on in the past and uh, who's been playing well on tour this year, and we certainly love following every, him every week. That would be from Oakland University, Jackson, Michigan, Brian Stewart. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, good to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. Now, I know you've been getting, you're, you're more on Instagram now, right? You've been building that up. People can follow you on there. You've been you've been posting, I think, uh, you know, every tournament, something cool. So uh, definitely been a priority for you. Yeah, trying to get into it more. You know, I know it's you know been a long time coming, but 
you know, it's been, it's been kind of fun to see the, a little bit of interaction. It's been cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I mean, Instagram's just so huge right now with all the shares and all the, you know, memes and all the, you know, it's like one big group chat for people with, I mean, the content is honestly, the content's unbelievable from a golf perspective with just funny stuff too, but um, that's good. Good to have you on there though, for sure. Yeah. It's been nice. Like, like I said, it's been cool to kind of, to see some different things and kind of post a few videos and get a little bit of interaction. Now I had you on the, uh, obviously the, the TV show that I do every week on channel seven. And we talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, you know, for the purpose of the podcast. So you're second on, on the entire PGA tour right now in driving accuracy percentage. And I think that's awesome because it's, you know, so many people are so inconsistent with the driver. Is there, I'm, I'm not asking you to give a lesson here to MDG, but is there a certain like tip or like, how do you, how are you so damn accurate off the tee? You know, I wish I really, I wish I knew. Uh, I think it's kind of just something that um, I've always been pretty good with. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a necessity for me. I, I'm definitely one of the shorter guys out there, so I have to drive it straight. So I think it's, it's, of utmost importance for me to hit the fairway. So I think that's kind of uh, one of the things I focus on. Well, it's obviously been working for you and, you know, it's, it's cool. Just, I mean, I feel like you're just a, a machine making cuts. You know, every time I look at my app, you're making a cut and heading into Saturday, which is great. Knock on wood. I'm not trying to jinx you, but um, congrats for, for qualifying for the U S open as well. I mean, longest day in golf. I know there was, I was looking at the field for, for some of these um, U.S. Open qualifiers and just amazing some of the guys in, in all of the different fields. But um, number one, congrats. And number two, that, that had to just be a, an awesome feeling to be able to qualify. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's definitely, like you said, it's a long day and it's, it feels really good when you, you play well and qualify for the U.S. Open. It's always a, it's always a good feeling. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's, I think that you know, you and I have talked before a lot about obviously Michigan golf and, um, you know, I wanted to expand on that a little bit with, uh, all the different courses that we seem to talk about. I, I, Kyle and I had a chance to play Arcadia bluffs lately, which was just awesome. And, um, I can't wait for, you know, my big golf trip this summer up to Bay Harbor and, you know, all the, the great courses up there. But, um, when you play all these different courses, I think that, that some people don't even realize how different, whether it's the terrain, whether it's the grass, we, had a chance to talk to Bryson DeChambeau on last week's podcast and he gave a huge long answer about the grass and how much different it is and stuff like that. But there really is a lot of different criteria, if, you know, points, if you will, to there's so many different types of golf courts in different States and countries seemingly. Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, it's, um, you know, it plays different from in every kind of region of the country, I would say, you know, you got the Florida Bermuda grass that, that, yep. uh, and then you got up north, you got the Bent and Poe mix and out west, you got the Poe. And it's definitely you. it takes you, you know, not so much for us on the PGA Tour. I think you kind of are used to it takes maybe a day to kind of to go from one to the other. But um, definitely for, you know, the average player, it, it makes a big difference. Have you noticed on tour any difference with, you know, I feel like lately there's been so many mic'd up moments on tour of, of guys talking through every single shot and Jordan Spieth talking to his caddy nonstop. And, and, and there's so many different things. Have you noticed kind of a difference over the years or maybe even just this past year? It, it seems like there's so many, so much more of these mic'd up, you know, moments of guys just, just, it seems like they're focusing more on a lot of the pre-shot discussions, which a lot of people find, find fascinating. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it, that kind of goes back to, I think, how golf has changed or is changing for the, for the past, you know, 10, 15 years. You know, 
you know, 10 years ago when I first was on tour, it wasn't all about distance. And, you know, now it's absolutely all about distance. You're just every, every metric or every analytic point they look at uh, tells you you should hit as far as you can all the time. And it's just kind of, that's just the way things are changing, I would say. How much do you, do you value analytics as compared to feel or gut or anything like that? I mean, is there a balance or is it, is it smart just to go completely all numbers? I think I'm, I'm definitely way less on the analytics just for me. I'm, I'm a pretty feel player. I would say um, I don't look at the numbers all that much. I mean, I look at some of the stats to kind of see if I need to work on this or that, but uh, for me, it's more about kind of just trying to, have a good feeling and have a good swing feel that kind of a thing. But um, yeah, I think you, you've seen how it has changed. There's guys who tell you what you should do in this situation, what you should do in this situation and, and the numbers, they don't lie. So that's what is, it is. Is there a certain stat that you tend to look at more before a tournament than others? Is it, is it personal stats in terms of what you need to improve on? Or is it, you know, for example, uh, just, just looking at, maybe past results from a tournament, knowing which, which holes you probably have to birdie with no, knowing which holes you can really maybe gain a shot on the field. Are you looking into, you know, I think everyone is always talking about football and, and, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks and film study and stuff like that. Is there that element on tour of knowing like, okay, these are the few holes that I real that you can really get a shot on the field type stuff. Yeah. I think there's um, that's, that's one way to look at it. I think for me, and, and I, I guess I'll say for everybody, it's now it's you just make as many birdies as possible. You just yeah. go for it all the time. And that's just the way it is. But for me personally, I think I try to look at, um, you know, if I'm driving it straight, I'm, I'm in a good place. And then my greens and regulation is a good stat for me. And then it's it's mostly all about putting for everybody, really. Yeah. So if you putt well, you're going to play well. I mean, everyone is just, everyone on tour is so good tee to green. It seems like, you know, you're right. That's where it really comes down to is putting. And, and I think everyone, a lot, a lot of people want to talk about, uh, you know, the ocean course, right. Playing at seven, 800 yards or Oakland Hills South, which is, which is just now finally getting um, opened here in the next couple of weeks, that's going to play at 7,700 yards. And they're going to, in all likelihood, get a, get a U.S. open in 2029 or whatever it'll be. So um it seems like T to green, everyone is, is pretty close. And, and like you said, sure, you can get an advantage with distance, but does it really matter? Does it really matter to you guys if the course is 7,600 or 7,300? I mean, I'm sure it does, but my point is everyone seems to be good T to green. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how, you know, you see going from course to course each year and sometimes, you know, you'll see them try to stretch out a course to, make it play a little longer. And it's like, it really doesn't change anything. It's mm -hmm. just, um, it, it doesn't matter how long it is. Guys are going to hit great shots and it's going to come down to making the putts. Now it, from a PGA tour perspective, what do you, what do you think is more difficult? Is it, I mean, both are extremely difficult, but is it, is it earning your PGA tour card or is it keeping your PGA tour card? Because it seems like th those are two very similar, but very, very different things as well. Um, if you have an opinion on that, I'd love to hear that. I, yeah, that's, that's a great point. I, it, I think it's, it's really hard to earn your PGA tour card. Mm -hmm. And I think for the first couple of times, you, if you have it, it's, it's hard to keep it. But if you've done it a few times, you kind of know what to do and how it plays out. But like you said, there are so many great players that haven't gotten their PGA tour card. And it's, it just comes down to a matter of 
getting it done in that one that one week or that one round yeah. or it comes down to so many little things, but uh, it's, it's tough. Well, and that's, that's the thing too. And I'll, I will offer this opinion right now. This is, I'm not, this is not, is not your opinion in any way, shape or form, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about this. That's one issue that I really, really had with the John Rom stuff that happened last week when he got, um, you know, had to withdraw because of COVID he's John Rom. He's a great player. He's totally fine. You know, he has money, whatever you want to call it. It's still, you know, 1.6 million. So let's not act like that's just nothing, but um, I can't imagine if that was, a fringe player trying to make it. If that was a Nate Lashley a couple of years ago at the Rocket Classic, you know, where you win and you get exempt for two years, just sets up your entire career. That's an example, I think, and say what you want about the whole situation. I'd love to get your overall opinion on it, but that's an example of, of just how tough it is to, to earn and keep your PGA Tour card because there are a lot of fringe guys that, that have to that have to really grind and, and really have to, you know, maybe win a tournament like Lashley did just to get status. Yes. Um, first of all, it, it was so unfortunate to see that. I mean, he played so good for three rounds and then to have that happen, that's, you know, such a tough break, but, uh, like you said, yes, it's, it's, it's tough. There are so many great players and every week somebody different can win, but, um, and, and, you know, and every week somebody can play bad. It's just, um, it's tough. Like you said, it's, um, yep. to have to, if that was somebody else in that situation, if that was me in that situation, I would be just, I mean, horrible, it. right? Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Is that, um, I, I mean, obviously there, there's so much discussion with golf right now and, and I think it's great. Um, I do have to ask you about just pace of play overall, because I, I'm around here and I've talked to so many through Metro Detroit golfers, so many different GMs and head pros and, and whatnot. And it, number one, it's great that there's so many rounds being played. It's great that there's new people playing the sport. TaylorMade did a study, 8 million people since COVID either picked up the game of golf or got back into the game of golf, so that, that, which is fantastic. But overall, I think so many of these courses are so crowded and, and pace of play has, has really become a problem for, for the amateur golfers and just the weekend golfers and things like that. But what is your overall, you know, take on just pace of play in general? Certainly you can weigh in from a PGA tour perspective, but do you think there is a big issue as a sport right now with pace of play? So to me, for a PGA tour player playing a PGA tour event, it's, they make this, they set the courses up super hard every day. We're playing 7,700 yards. That's a long golf course. Yep. And they, you know, from, 10 years ago, what the average course was, I don't know, just over 7,000, maybe mm -hmm. that's a, that's a lot more walking. That's a lot more time, but so I'm not necessarily thinking there's much we can do for yeah. us. We can certainly play faster, but we're not going to play in under four hours for threesomes. Yeah. Now, amateur guys, I, I see where that's an issue. I mean, yeah. there's a, it's, that's kind of the thing where, you know, we've talked about it for a couple of years that golf is it takes so long to play right mm -hmm. and that's kind of I don't know I don't know what the answer to it is but uh I I can understand the issue with most people wanting to play faster well and it's and I I could talk for two hours about this subject I mean it's it's clearly I've heard so many different opinions on it and you know some I think it all boils down to at least from an amateur perspective too of you need to keep up with a group in front of you, period. Don't worry about what's going behind you. Keep up with a group in front of you from a golf cart perspective, you know, make sure you're, you're not being an idiot with a golf cart, you know, be ready. Don't park it somewhere stupid around the green, whatever. There's so much of that, but then 
you really get into the conspiracy theories of people who, who want to give these off the wall scenarios and why pace of play is slow. Some people do blame, you know, the, the microphones on PGA tour and amateurs thinking they need to talk through every shot and things like that. You know, right. that's what, what Kyle and I always joke about though, Brian, is that, you know, you guys are so good where you can talk about, Hey, am I, am I carrying this 176 or 182? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of amateurs that are just not that good to be able to have that discussion, you know? Right. I, I definitely see that. I, I kind of think that for myself sometimes is when, you know, I've, I got a 185 yard shot and the pins tucked over left water left bunker short, you know, it's like, I mean, what am I doing? I'm just trying to hit it to the right of the flag. Anyway, I, there's no real discussion. It's right. just, uh, and like you said, most amateur players, there doesn't need to be that uh, discussion. And I think like you, you touched on it, being ready to play when it's your turn, that's, yep. that's a big thing. I'll give you one last take on that. And this is one that I heard the other day that I understand the point, but I don't think that it in any way is the biggest deal. Um, I was talking to someone at, at the club the other day, and this is a very, very, um, experienced golfer, an amateur golfer who's played a ton of places, just played a ton of golf over the years. And he, he said that he thinks the biggest problem with pace of play from an amateur perspective right now is the lines on the golf ball, because people take too long on the green to line it up, which I understand the point. Um, but I don't think that's in any way, in any way, the, the biggest issue with, with pace of play overall, but. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, but like you said, I don't think that's what's making it slow yeah for sure but um you know brian i think i i last one for you i do have to ask you know i think it's just such a massive story right now we were able to to obviously talk with uh with bryson recently as well but bryson brooks that whole saga um you and i touched on it on the on the tv show as well but i think that there's just so much discussion about this rivalry and both those guys have come out and said that that it's good for golf to have a little rivalry and whatnot do you have any overall take on that you know I think I think that's um that's a good point you know I I I think it is it brings kind of the mainstream media into the golf world for a little bit and I think you know I've I've seen headlines looking at my phone about this and I think that's um any attention to to the golf, to the PGA tour, I think is a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, one, I will just say this one more question just came to my mind because I follow you on Instagram and, and obviously your girlfriend, Alicia, and she's always posting stuff about you guys. And um, you have an RV that you take around to these tournaments. And, and I think that's awesome because a lot of people think that, that PGA tour players sometimes will, you know, of course they do, whether it's renting the house, whether it's staying in the hotel, whether it's a mixture of both, but, but you've uh, gone the RV route a little bit and we've heard of athletes doing this before a lot of them, but um, how's that been? You know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We've really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess rejuvenated me a little bit on the traveling um, You kind of getting Staying in a hotel every week gets a little old. Yeah. Flying every week gets a little old. So it's kind of nice to have something a little different, have your own kind of home away from home. So it's it's been great. We've really enjoyed it. What's the furthest you've had to drive? Oh, like 15 hours or something? Something like that. Yeah. When when we first kind of went back uh, last June, we kind of we drove all over the place and there were some long drives there. But it was it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. You do you, so. You do you get a chance to be home in Michigan much? Obviously, not during the season, but not not too much. A couple times a year. I was just in uh, Jackson uh, last weekend after I didn't get into the Memorial for a couple weeks. Work on my game a little bit with Gary, 
Robinson. And uh, yeah, so just, just a couple times a year. Awesome. Well, Brian, we uh, really appreciate it. Once again, congrats on qualifying for the U.S. Open, and, and we'll look forward to catching up in a few weeks here in Detroit at the Rocket. Um, you and I were talking about some cool things you might try and do for that. So uh, just want to say thanks for not only joining the podcast, but for all of your support for Metro Detroit golfers. You know, we've grown to almost 50,000 Michigan golfers now. It's been awesome. And um, thank you for, for being a part of it and, and really just supporting us in, in Michigan golf as well. So we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That's very exciting what's, uh, what you guys have done. It's um, really cool to, to see and be a part of. Awesome, Brian. Well, thanks, and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for Brian uh, for joining us. That was just awesome, and it's always great to catch up with him. going to try to do some video stuff when he's here for the Rocket Classic, and Guys, that's someone who's been very supportive of MDG. So let's make sure we're supportive of him. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Facebook, and really just stay updated with all of his uh, with all of his happenings. Like I said, I know a lot of people are on DraftKings and betting on him and whatnot. So uh, definitely want to continue to support Brian as he has been, as you heard him say it just now, a huge MDG supporter since day one. So we thank Brian for that and. Kyle and I, next week, we're going to talk about our recent trip to Arcadia Bluffs. Tricovery was there as well. Kevin and Jeff, as always, make sure you check out Tricovery, T-R-I-Covery.com. They have a ton of golf-specific packages for you. Um, and it was great to see Kevin and Jeff, and, and they had a great time at Arcadia. And we're stretching people out beforehand. Arcadia was just, it was my first time playing it. Truly fantastic. But Kyle and I will get into that more next week. Just want to say thank you. To all Metro Detroit golfers for being a part of this and for tuning in every single week. Make sure, make sure you go back as well and listen to some of the previous episodes as well. And check out MetroDetroitGolfers.com. We got our outing coming up and much more. So thank you as always. And make sure you stay tuned to MDG. Thanks for listening to the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and keep giving Sully and Bogey a hard time. Powered by our presenting sponsor, Hall Financial, and also Tri-Covery Massage and Flexibility.